one last announcement. Uh, Rob, it's this announcement is about you, baby. All right, you don't even know why you're cheering. Well, you know, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so something happened over the weekend in Vegas that we can talk about. All right, and uh, and so we went to Vegas, a bunch of us, 11, 12 of us, for a conference. It was just fantastic, and we got to celebrate something super, super cool. Um, Pastor Rob got recognized, that's what that little certificate is in the photo, of 25 years of being a pastor. 25 years. 25 years. Yeah, you can stand. That stand. No. Yeah, get up. Woo! 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 25! 25! Yes, this is worth it. This is worth it. Yeah. A third of his life spent dedicating himself to pastoring the people. It's unbelievable. Woo! You know what happens when you're your pastor for 25 years? The font gets bigger. You can, they can read that from the back of the room. That is unbelievable. All right, you can have a seat. All right, hold on. So, <laughs> so you may not know this, and I don't want to make it a super downer, but this is worth saying. So. Uh, there was a poll uh, by Barna, which is a Christian like uh, research group, and, they, and, it, and over the last election cycle and through the pandemic, 44% of all evangelical slash Protestant pastors either quit or seriously considered quitting. Uh, Christians just went wild. I don't know if you noticed that the last couple of years. And so pastors were running. They're like, get me out of here. And anyways, he did not quit. And... Uh, and you can only say yes for 25 years uh, uh, if you got uh, a spouse and someone there championing you. Andrea Geiler. Um, when Rob says yes to being a pastor, she goes eyes wide open. So am I. And she has done it willingly and joyfully. We love you guys. I don't know where I would be or we would be without you keep saying Yes, and whatever we can do to keep fanning the flames of your guys' gift to keep going and keep going for another 25. We love you. Can we stand and say no. thank you one more time? Thank you so much. Will you just uh, throw your hand up if they've loved you well in the last 25 years? I know it's hard to say thank you. When, uh, when people invest in your life and love you so much. Uh, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so love all the pastors we have here very deeply this month, please. Whether that's just a hug, whether you give them a Starbucks card, whether you just thank them. I don't Give mine to somebody else. I don't drink coffee. Uh, but um, would you especially, Rob's loved us. So many of even our pastors are here because he's loved them and had relationship with them for so long. He's valued them and invested in them. He stepped aside to create opportunity for them to do things. A lot of churches, the pastor is the one and only. And here he doesn't speak every week because he's creating room for other people. And that gives them an opportunity to grow in their gifts and, and for us to multiply and serve more parts in our community. That takes security in yourself. And trust in God that the plan is bigger than you. My wife grew up in their youth group uh, forever ago, or like five years ago. I don't, I don't want to say how old she could be potentially, but there's a lot of those stories around here that hey, they helped me find Jesus, or they helped our marriage, they helped this. So would you just take opportunities to thank them? And doing it for 25 years, woo! Doing anything for 25 years is tough. But can I tell you, as a person, we're all people, right? We're messy, and we make mistakes a lot. And sometimes our attitudes are pretty off-putting because we're going through the hardest times in our life. And the people we usually call to help us, even when we're... And sometimes the people we hurt because they're the closest to us are the people trying to help us. And they've, they've helped us so much. And so 25 years is a huge, huge deal. Thank you so much for your amazing love. We could do this all morning. How many want to do this all morning? You're like, forget the message. Anyways, last time, thank our pastors. We love them. Can I have security, please, to escort him out of the building? No. <laughs> 
hey, while we're here, yeah, please. Hey, uh, the picture that we were supposed to show was this one. Um, the other picture, please note mine. Yeah, and um, one of the cool, yeah. Yeah, one of the coolest things, I got to sit with Pastor Crystal last night as she was getting ready to ordain, and she leant over and she whispered in my ear, Rob, I, I know you don't like this stuff, which I don't, and so, Adam, you're fired. Um, uh, but, but I received uh, 25 years of, of faithful recognition, whatever that means, and I think we're all faithful, but Pastor Crystal, was, we got to be ordained and recognized on the same night, so Pastor Crystal was ordained last night in uh, Las Vegas. I don't know if that's any different, getting ordained in Vegas or somewhere else, but, but um, she was ordained, so yeah, can we put our hands together and celebrate her? Um, second thing, just being practical, can someone tell Caitlin we're going to go along because uh, it's like 11.15 and we haven't even started yet. Um, so Caitlin, I love you and I'm really, really sorry. And that says, hey, let me just, uh, this is off the record, it's not even on my notes. And Adam, I, I love you, but seriously, I hate you, buddy. Leave Like, just because I have font 72 in my thing doesn't matter anything that way, right? Um, but, and, and I say this, and I don't know why, and maybe I do know why, is... Um, Please, we're a piece of the body of Christ. We're not the only, we're, we're a piece of his expression. But one of our expressions here, we're not better, is we recognize God's calling on your life. Not just a man, but it says when God created them in his image. That's male and female. So God has a calling on your life in a way he wants to use you, impact and transform people's lives. And so Pastor Chris was our campus pastor our compass, and she's functioning in the gifting and the calling that God has called her to. And so we recognize that as a four-square movement. Again, we're not the only movement. We're not the best movement. We're just one of the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that Jesus has called us to. And so when you see her, say thank you to her. Give her a hug and send her a Starbucks card. Don't send a Starbucks cards to Joe. All the, all the cards that are going to Joe, just send them to me or Adam because we're the coffee drinkers and Joe is still in the dark. He hasn't crossed over to the light yet. But I mean, he sells his stuff, but he doesn't bring it himself. What does that say? Like, really? Sarah said, yeah, right. And so thank you for your faithfulness. Hey, um, I'll try and, you're in trouble. Uh, we'll talk afterward. Um, I need to focus. Thank you, Adam. I hate you. Um, yeah, that, I think he said something like that, Don, right? Obviously, he failed math, right? Like, I'm 41 plus some tax. Um, it depends which day. Okay, can I have security, please? Can you escort her and him out? We have to get started. It's 20 past 11. Like all the people here detail, like are freaking out right now. It's 20 past 11. Um, we haven't even started. Gosh, let me focus. Let's just close in prayer. Um, hey, discla- disclaimer up front. Um, I probably will accidentally touch your nerves today, and I'm really sorry. Well, I'm actually not sorry. Um, I'm going to touch your nerves today, but please, if I frustrate you or get under your skin, would you do me a favor? Would you come see me? Would you text me or Twitter me or whatever you do and just go, hey, Rob, what do you mean by that? Blah, blah, blah. We're going to talk about something. Um, I'm an American citizen. I have dual passports, so I have a split personality. Um, so I have an Irish passport. I'm also an American citizen. I'm really proud of it. I love the country that God has called me to be a part of, and I'm glad to be an American. I'm glad to be Irish, since I'm Irish from an Irish accent. So we get to heaven. Yeah, anyway, there'll be an Irish flag, and I don't know what will happen in heaven, but I'll have fun anyway. But um, we're going to touch on a subject that, and for me, over the years, I've been always kind of confused with. And this is biblical, and we've said this in our church. Please don't ever listen to this guy or girl up here. First of all, check it against God's word. They'll say the best of intention stuff. They'll say good stuff. They'll be encouraging. Let me pass that around, young lady, would you? Let me pass that around, young man. Yeah. They'll say things with the best of intentions, but we always encourage you to check it back against God's word. Uh, my name's Rob, and it's an incredible honor to be with you. But we're starting a series this morning called Salt and Light. We're going to lean into left and right, but we're going to talk about what does it mean to be salt and light in the midst of all the circumstances and situations that we're dealing with. Um, <clears throat> you could maybe say it this way, in the whole idea of being salt and light, that you may be 
the only version of the Bible some people ever get to read. I wonder what's on your pages today. I wonder what would come up on your pages, especially in the season we find ourselves in today. In fact, here in a few weeks, we get to do the crazy stuff all over again. I was with Pastor Joe. We were driving through Vegas to the church that we were kind of doing our conference at. And the first day we're driving down, I'm like, what is going on, Joe? There's like billboards and signs everywhere. Then I realized, then I realized, it's crazy season here in November, right? It's, we're back in the crazy cycle season again here just in a few weeks. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if the people that brush shoulders with you and I every day, I wonder what they read on your pages when they interact with you. If that's true, I wonder what they might find on your pages over the next few weeks in reference to our election season. I wonder what you'll say online. I wonder what you'll say to people in the street. I wonder what you'll say to people in the show. I wonder what you'll say to people in the church. I wonder what will come across from your perspective. Word of encouragement to all of us, those who would wholeheartedly recognize Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are called to be somebody's salt and light. Matthew says it this way. You and I are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If we no longer are good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, you and I are the light of the world. A town, a city, or a life built on a hill cannot be and should not be hidden, especially in election season. <laughs> that's not in the Bible for all the theologians. Like, that's, not there. that's why I said check the Bible. Like, you're like, what is that? It's the Irish version? But it's not just salt and light. I mean, can we say thank you to our worship team? Come on. See, Christians find it easy to be salt and light when the worship team creates an atmosphere like that for us. It's like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're the best. Woo, woo, woo. But when we walk out the door on Monday morning and somebody crosses our path that disagrees with us or has a different opinion, all of a sudden our saltiness gets challenged. So here's the $10 million question for us. How can we be salt and light to others regardless of whether they're left or right or whatever other affiliation outside of Jesus they are? I'll say it two or three times here as we go through. This church is not for Republicans. And it's not for Democrats. And it's not for independents. It's for people. Whatever decide, whatever way you lean, whatever choice you make, left or right, center, whatever, 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 hybrid this, hybrid that, that's your choice. But this church will never be a Republican or a Democratic church or independent church. It'll be a church for broken people who are searching for Jesus. Can I have an amen in the house, please? <laughs> so don't let people make you, especially in this inevitable election cycle that's coming around here just in a few weeks. In those seasons, it's really tempting to hide or misplace our light or lose our saltiness. So often we get pressed to adopt the ways of our culture. We start to argue, start to demonize, we start to blame, we start to justify, we get angry, we get hatred, we start to mock people online and just in culture about their politics and all that sort of stuff. And yet Jesus goes, no, stop, stop, you're salt, you're light, you're salt, you're light, you're salt. Your light, stop. Bring salt. What is salt? It's a healing mechanism. It's a healing tool. What's light? It's an illuminator. And please let me finish before you start wrecking notes and sending me text messages during this. Let me, let me finish. And I'm going to clarify something in a minute, hopefully. What I wonder if, I wonder if it's as simple as this statement. Maybe our faith in Jesus should be the thing that informs our politics instead of accidentally it being the other way around. I wonder if our faith should inform our politics, our feelings or our thoughts, rather than being the other way around. Our politics flavor our faith. You see, in moments like these, they can highlight and bring to the surface what's lingering under the surface. In moments where all of a sudden the temperature's turned up or all of a sudden things start to happen, it can really bring to the surface what's really under the surface in our lives. And so please let me finish before you start texting me. The whole series is about us maintaining our salt and light 
in the midst of our culture, especially when it gets a little bit hot, like it probably will do in a few weeks. There are lots of elements that will try to rob us of the role or responsibility of being salt and light. And sadly, one of them that gets in the way is what we're going to talk about today. In our culture, people can be so quick to judge or make snap judgments based upon face value, appearance, or sadly, other people's opinion, that stupid thing we have called Facebook. This is just a freebie. You do know everything on Facebook's not true. Even a lot of stuff that Christians say. Because it's an opinion they formed and they presented as fact and they forget to fact check. See, Jesus was never against anybody. He was for everybody. He came for broken people of all shapes and sizes. See, Dad actually said it this way in Matthew 7. Do not judge others. You'll not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you'll be judged. In the Passion Version, it says this, refuse to be a critic full of bias, out of balance opinions towards others, and you'll not be judged. The Message Version says, don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want to be treated the same way or seated with the same seat treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging itself back around again. See, God calls us to be that. So all the people who have a political bent, here's your peace now. Please hear my heart. I know dad wants us to have things to say. He really does. I just think he wants us to say it. That is, whatever that is, in a way that people might be able to hear us. And I think the filter he wants us to use is this one. It's in 2 Corinthians. We are ambassadors, representatives of the anointed one. Him first, not a party first. I put that in there who carry the message of Jesus to the left and right of the world. I put that in there. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to President Biden, President Trump. No, him. I I mean this most sincerely, and please text me or email me, rigeiler.me.com. Last time I checked, no political party will ever save our country. I'm sorry, for the, I'm, I'm sorry if that offends you. No political party will ever fix this country. There's only one person who will, and that's the person in presence of Jesus. In the midst of it, yes, but stop looking to a president or a party to save us. Look to the person of Jesus who can transform us at the innermost being of who we are, and if he could transform me, and that I would act differently towards you, Dave, imagine if everybody could do that. Imagine if God could transform me and I would start to interact with people differently. I would respond and speak to people differently than everybody else. I'd bring love into every situation and circumstance. See, we're called to be a church, a safe place where both left and right and independence, etc., etc. Whatever you tag yourself as are all welcome in this house and will be until Jesus takes me home, thanks to Adam, because I'm now 75 years old. <laughs> Security, you still haven't removed him. Because politics are not the way we'll find salvation. What was it that Jason and the worship team did? Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And he didn't say... President Biden or President Trump. He said him. He, he, you can have a political affiliation. Please hear me. But in this house, everybody's welcome. In this house, everybody's safe. In this house, everybody will be heard. In this house, everybody will be loved and cared for and looked after. But be able to, to be able to do that we're going to have to start by taking a good old-fashioned look in a mirror. (laughs) Hey, Don. When was the last time you looked in the mirror for yourself? 
rather than somebody else? When's the last time you looked in the mirror for yourself rather than somebody else? Second point, everybody else's faults. I just don't like looking at my own. Or, or I minimize mine and maximize other people's. Because ultimately, God calls us to that idea. See, what do you see in the mirror for you? Do you see your biases? Do you see your dirty filters? Do you see your blind spots? Do you see your bad information? Do you see your past experience or your misguided thinking or your misguided information? When you look in the mirror, is, is that what you see? Maybe you can ask God to change what we see. But to be able to look in the mirror, with all due respect, it takes a lot of guts. It's easy to blame somebody else rather than take personal responsibility. It's easy just to say something. On, please hear my heart. It's easy to say something. Please keep saying nice things on Facebook. But stop having intellectual arguments or discussions because that's not actually real. Because here's the truth. If someone can't do this, sit down with you and look you in the eye and talk to you, they're not having a real conversation. With all due respect, I'm sorry. Facebook is not a place to have deep, meaningful conversation because it just gets misunderstood at the highest of levels. I wish we could put a mirror on Facebook and let people see in the mirror first before they ever allowed to say anything. They could have to look in the mirror before you can post anything. I think our, our posting would go, to the, it would go to zero. People would go, I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that. See, probably means turning the spotlight Owen said, be careful where you put the mirror because if the camera catches it wrong, we'll have 3,000 reflections online. So there'll be like 300,000 people watching our service. They'll just be me with the mirror reflecting it in the camera. So Owen, am I okay? Good, okay. There's not a half a million people watching online, okay. But we're gonna have to turn the spotlight on ourselves in in reference to refining and the purifying process, first of all, in our minds and allowing ourselves to be that way. That could maybe mean checking our attitudes at the door of conversation or judgment before saying anything. Here's all those people that feel like, maybe I feel like we shouldn't have political perspectives. Should we have something to say? Absolutely, yes. But how we say it? And that's really, really important. Should you have something to say? Absolutely, yes. But how we say it as a believer, that's absolutely of the direst importance. Through the filter of salt and light, for me, that was realizing that my upbringing as a Protestant had a profound effect on my opinion of Catholic people. I hated them. And I was in a church where ministers wore the white collar and had big black Bibles up in the pulpit and preached God every Sunday. But I was taught to hate Catholic people. You've all heard the story. I was literally as an Irish Protestant person, I was told I was allowed to hurt Catholic people and it was the right godly thing to do that was preached from a pulpit in a place in Ireland where, where it had been skew-whiffed or maybe some logs had got into our eyes in reference to how we presented the truth of the word of God because the last time I checked, Jesus died for all people, Catholics included. Protestants included, or whatever it would be. You see, Jesus helped change my life and cleaned my stinking think and filter so that it was his truth, not my opinion or my experience that drew me to make the decisions that I made about the people that I came in contact with, primarily in Ireland Catholic people. I, I discovered when Jesus transformed my life that Jesus actually died for Protestants and Catholics alike. But just because you're in a Protestant church doesn't mean you're a Christian. Not to be rude, just because you're an American church doesn't mean you're an American Christian with all due respects. You sitting here actually has no bearing on your personal relationship with Jesus. This is a great ingredient that will encourage you and feed you, hopefully in that process. But your personal relationship with Jesus is you asking Jesus to come and transform and change your life at the deepest of levels. And I learned through my culture. And then to be fair, even here in Utah, I had to check the local attitude when I got here. When I came first to Utah over other people's opinion of the religious belief systems in the area. So I was taught that it was really bad and then discovered that it wasn't, that Jesus just loves broken people. I didn't have to hide in a foxhole and like, oh my goodness, keep the big bad boogeyman away. I was called to be salt and light to the people Jesus placed around me. And some of those people had a different belief system than I do. But to hide away and to kind of close away and to isolate myself was not what Jesus called me to do. So checking in on our 
potential biases or our judgments is so important. <laughs> Why? Try this on for size. I read a great story that happened some years ago. A young boy walked into a soda store in his neighborhood and asked the person behind the counter, how much would a hot fudge Sunday cost? Ooh, I could do with one right now. Stop, focus. <clears throat> she let him know it was 50 cents. This story was a long time ago. <clears throat> yeah, 75. Who said that? Can he please? Can you escort him out as well, please? Yeah, that's that, 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 that woman right there. No. <laughs> he, he then asked her, how much would a plain ice cream cost? She got a little bit perturbed as he was counting out his coins with lots of pennies. She let him know it was 35 cents. He ordered the cheaper one. When he left and she was cleaning up, she noticed he had left the tip, two nickels and five pennies. He chose to order the plain one and leave her a tip, though he had enough money to buy the hot fudge Sunday. It was a sobering reminder that you should always choose to assume the best about the other people first. She felt bad about being frustrated over his questions. He not only had his interests in mind, but he also was considering her welfare. Great reminder to be careful how quickly render judgment. Jesus' word encourages us to stare into the mirror long before we look out the window at what everyone else is doing. And this is probably wrong of me, but I'll take responsibility because I'm 25 years as a pastor, so I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Um, please be careful over the next five or six, seven weeks. Please, 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 please be really careful over the next five, 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 six, seven weeks, November 6th, is it, whatever it is. Please, I dare you look in the mirror first before you look at somebody else's life. Allow God to let you see in the mirror what's going on in your life before you look and kind of discover somebody else's. Should we have something to say? Absolutely, yes. But how we say it? Well, that's incredibly important. Why? Because unconditional love means accepting people the way they are, red or blue or whatever color they are for Jesus' sake. You see, Jesus hung around with the sinners of all types. Can I be so bold to say that Republicans and Democrats fall into that same category? Sinners, that is, and independents. Our politics don't save us, but our relationship with Jesus does. May, maybe I've been too naive in reference to this thought, but maybe our faith in Jesus should be the thing that informs our politics instead of it accidentally being the other way around sometimes. See, Jesus didn't isolate or hide himself away in the synagogues, the churches, or wherever, and neither should we. John 17, 5 says, I am not, I'm not asking the Father that, you remove them from the world, but I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. I'm not asking you to run away and hide and dig a hole and close yourself off and hope that Jesus makes the right decision to put the right person in office or whatever that would be. I'm just asking that we go, Lord, would you please help me be aware that things don't get in the way of my life when you want me to see things differently? That certain things don't get into my life that cause me to see people way different than you'd want me to see people. Maybe we could say it this way, that God help us to learn to insulate ourselves instead of being tricked into isolating ourselves. In fact, Jesus mixed it up with sinners of all shapes and sizes so much that the self-righteous people got really upset about it. He's friendly with some really questionable people, Robert Geiler definitely being one of the worst of them, they would have probably said. And Jesus replied, yes, because I didn't come to minister to you religious leaders. I came to call sinners like Robert Geiler and others, all shapes and sizes and political parties, to repentance. Isn't that fantastic? Jesus spent his time with dirty, filthy, stinking, right and left and everything in between bent sinners. And when those kinds of people find someone who is, first of all, Savior-focused instead of left or right-focused, I think that's a slide up there, partner, isn't it? When people find people who are Savior-focused first instead of left or right-focused, someone who will love them and accept them just the way they are, you and I will become fresh bread to them. And when that happens, we won't be able to keep them away. And then we'll become the aroma as people experience all over the place, regardless of what the climate is happening, especially in the climate we're stepping into leading up to November. 
What's one of the best ways to check yourselves? Maybe eye contact with ourselves in the mirror is the best remedy for hypocrisy. Maybe looking in your own mirror, first of all, is the best remedy to flush hypocrisy out of our lives. Maybe stopping and taking a deep, deep, long look. You are done. Maybe taking a deep, deep, long look at ourselves in the mirror is the best way to cure our own hypocrisy. What do I mean by that? Well, you see, and I said it, we have a tendency to make our stuff small while making a big deal about other people's stuff. And yet Jesus says this to us because he wants us to reverse it. We read that earlier part later on, but let me read it to you again, Matthew 7. Do not judge others and you'll not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And then it goes on to say this. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Maybe by asking the Holy Spirit to wash you from the inside. Then you will see well, think well, speak well, and respond well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Is it right to talk about and present the truth? Absolutely yes, 150%. But how we present the truth, I think is incredibly important. Me too. See, why is it important? Well, maybe because it's easier to attract people with loving kindness and acceptance and forgiveness and transparency and honesty than it is anything else. Should we have opinions on the things happening all around about us in the next few weeks? Absolutely, yes. But for us as believers and disciples, it has to be from a right heart, a right head, and a right spirit. What's one of the old sayings? Don't judge a book by the cover. Maybe instead, first, at least take time to understand it before you make a judgment on it, before you make, oh, this is how these people are, this is how these people believe, this is how that. that we would actually get to know people. We would pause and allow Jesus to use our life in a way to help people feel loved, accepted, and forgiven. That we would get to a place where people are allowed to follow, believe, and obey. We get to a place that the word becomes something that washes people rather than beats the tar out of people. I don't think Jesus ever gave me his word to beat the tar out of me. I think he gave me his word to draw the worst out of me and wash me from it and allow me to become more and more like him. Why? Why would we do that? Because Jesus loved people of all shapes and sizes, parties, broken, lost, and searching as they were. See, he was always about creating relationships first and then engaging with people. In case you haven't seen The Chosen, sit back and enjoy this clip. Thank you so much, guys. When you're ready, hit it. Turn it up, please. Your old friend Simon himself used to run the wagering tables. We're not friends. Next. Okay, fine. So you did not go to the races. You stay home? I went to see my mother. Ugh, that would put me out, too. She asked when you're going to give her grandchildren? She didn't ask. I thought your parents don't speak to you. I had questions I couldn't ask anyone else. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew.
Matthew, son of Alphaeus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to you. What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Yes. you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back. No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. You're the host. Come on, seriously? answer this, but who's the Matthew in the house? I am. Let me continue the story for you, Mark, too. And this is kind of right in that ballpark, so go with me. Later, Jesus' disciples went to have a meal with Levi. Among the guests in Levi's home were many tax collectors and notable sinners sharing a meal with Jesus. There were many kinds of people who followed him, Republicans and Democrats alike. And independence just throwing in for extra. But when the religious scholars and the Pharisees found out that Jesus was keeping company and dining with sinners and tax collectors and Republicans and Democrats and independents, they were indignant. How dare you? So they approached Jesus' disciples and said to them, Why is it that someone like Jesus defiles himself by eating with sinners and tax collectors and Democrats and Republicans and independents? And when Jesus overheard their complaint, he said to them, Who goes to a doctor for a cure, those who are well or those who are sick? I have not come to call the righteous, but those who are sinners of all shapes and sizes and of all parties alike, and bring them to repentance. Where do you have a log in your life that needs to be removed? Where is there a log in your situation, in your marriage, that how you see your spouse and you should flip it and see your spouse is more valuable than you? Is it in a friendship that you see the brokenness and the mistakes of your friend rather than the opportunity to speak life to your friend? Is it at work where maybe you should be a safe person, but you're not a safe person because you have a log in your eye? Is it in our neighborhoods and the interaction we have with people that we've been so tainted by the logs that everyone else is stuck in our eye because of where I am, red or blue or yellow or green or orange or whatever color party you are? That that's the thing that drives you? And so when you see people and you look through your politics, this is how you see them? There's a log in the way, and so therefore you can't see correctly, you can't see right? I wonder if God wants to, in this season, remove logs from our eyes so we can see the people God's placed around us the way he sees them, as broken and lost and desperate for love and acceptance and forgiveness and inclusiveness. I don't mean agreement. You know I have some friends who live a different lifestyle. I love them 110%. I don't agree with anything they do. They don't agree with anything I say, but they tell people constantly, when I'm in Rob's presence, I feel loved. 
I don't accept anything they do for anything, but I love them unconditionally because he loved me unconditionally. And he wants me to not walk around with a log in my eye of how I think culture says I should interact with people. We have to get to a place where Jesus becomes the one who washes our logs away. So when we look in the mirror and we see something, he brings it to our thinking or our awareness that we would have the guts or the gumption because it takes guts to look in the mirror. It takes guts to look in my mirror and look at me first rather than look in the mirror at somebody else and everybody else and make judgment calls. Jesus is the answer for the world today, period. But it starts with you and I. It starts with you and I as individual people allowing Jesus to do fresh things in our lives and our relationship with him. It might help us live from a place of developing love, acceptance, and forgiveness as a foundational thing. We might pause for a second and realize that Jesus might be doing something in other people's lives just like he did in ours. Peter, we forgot so quickly, get used to different. You forgot so quickly when you and I stood on the shore and you realized how dark a sinner you were that you said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus went, yeah, I know. Come follow me. See, Jesus didn't ask Levi to change. He just asked him to follow him. Why do we have these three banners in our church? Follow, believe, and obey because we believe it in that order. Anybody is welcome to follow Jesus for as long as they need to. So they get to a place where they want to choose to believe in him and then choosing to obey. Adam talked to us about obeying Jesus' call today in reference to honoring him with our money. We don't make people do that. We don't check up on people, but we're constantly encouraged. If you want a whole new level of experiencing Jesus, allow him to be Lord. What was Adam said? Let him be Lord of every part of your life. Get all the logs out of your life and all the other areas. Not just some logs, get all the logs out and let Jesus become Lord of everything that you're walking through. Adam didn't make us do that, but he encouraged, he inspired us to take that step. That's why we believe and follow, believe and obey. Jesus believed in it. You know, people have argued with me. Well, I'm like, when did Matthew get saved? Levi. And some theologians say, well, at the table. I'm like, show me. Well, yeah, I mean, no, show me. Show me where Levi got saved at the table. He may have, but I think this happened. Adam, could you come and join me, please? I think this happened personally. Like Jesus goes, come follow me. And Levi's like, what? And he's like, yeah, come on. Hey, um, let's go to your house. Come on. And they go off for a journey. And I don't think Levi was 40 feet away. I think Levi was right next to Jesus. And Jesus is going, hey, this is so, I'm so looking forward to going to your house. And all these other people around him are like freaking out. Like, like Peter, do you know who he is? Like Jesus is like, uh, dude, I'm Jesus. Like, I know who you are. But we get so caught up with Jesus going, hey, just come. Well, they have to change first. No, they don't. No, they don't. They just follow first. You followed. I followed. He followed. I remember him in Fresno. Thank you, Jesus, for saving his soul. Thanks, buddy. I remember those days. You seriously did the whole phone thing, look in the mirror? David, could you please escort him out? Thank you so much. <laughs> Can you imagine Adam, all jokes aside? Adam, could you imagine if he looked in the mirror first and referenced this beautiful young lady sitting next to you who's your darling wife? Can you imagine what would happen in a fresh way in your marriage if you looked in the mirror first before ever looking at Christy? Can you imagine how we would interact with one another if we first of all looked in the mirror? It's little, how do I function in this marriage? Not here's what I expect of Andrea. Yeah. Can you imagine what would happen if we did it at work? If we did it in church? Can you imagine... I can say this because you know I have friends who are that way. Can you imagine if one of my friends walked through the door 
who lives a different lifestyle. And instead of turning the mirror on them, we turn the mirror on ourselves first. If we're ever saying anything or doing anything, forever holding on to a standard that they have to live to. Because Jesus didn't do that with Matthew. He just said, come follow me. And as they walked along, I think Jesus, all the theologians don't freak out. I think as they walked along, Jesus gave him a mirror to check with every day. And every day at different times, Matthew would look in it and go, ooh, this is different. He would let Jesus change him. I'm going to ask our worship team to come join me if they could, please. Somebody help Kurt up the steps. (laughs) 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 I was chatting to a a lady this morning who's been here the first few times and uh, I was sharing with her why is church the way it is? Maybe because it's part of my culture. See, when you come into an Irish house in Ireland, we don't have the formal room. We have the family room. And in the family room, when my mother would greet you into our house and my mom and dad used to bring strangers home all the time because they ran a taxi service and I would get home, my bed would be filled with somebody else and I'm like, thanks, mom. <laughs> She's like, you can sleep on the settee. I'm like, yeah, I love you too. But I would watch my mom bring people into our home. And she would stand them in the middle of our family room and she would say, there's a refrigerator. There's the bathroom. There's the spare room. Make yourself at home. Not give me a resume. Not justify why you're here. If you're in our home, you're family. I think when we're in his house, we're family. I love that we can laugh and have fun. I'm going to ask the worship team in a minute to close with a song. I'm going to ask our prayer teams if you'd come forward, please. You know who you are. Um, just take a position. Would somebody go stand over here by the fire hydrant? Nate, would you go over there by the fire hydrant, please? Mike, Christy, would you? Yeah. Mike, would you, Chris, come here? Jackie and Tommy, would you come as well, please? I'm going to ask you to do something as we live this song. It's probably going to be noisy, so that's okay. We can be messy with it. But, but if you know that there is a log somewhere in your life, in a particular area, and it's getting in the way, are you seeing people the way Jesus has said to you he wants you to see them? As they sing us, lead us through this song, you can join in and be a part of it. But I'm going to ask you to come to one of these really messed up, screwed up people. Well, they are because church is so full of weirdos sometimes. It is, especially people up here, all these really spiritual people. What is that? I mean, look at this motley crew. Because it has nothing to do with Mike or Chris. It has nothing to do with them. They're simply a conduit going, we believe Jesus can help you and we'd love to agree with you. And Jesus shows up and speaks through them. We get so weird and so over-spiritual and so into weird stuff. It would simply be someone going to Nate. Hey, Nate, I just know there's something in my life that God wants to. Would you agree with me? And Nate's going to go, no, go sit down. You're not good enough. Jump through a bunch of hoops. No, he's going to agree with I mean, look at those. What do they know? I mean, seriously, look over here. I mean, who do they think they are? How old are you? Go and sit down. I mean, how old are you? What are you doing up here? What do you know as a 16-year-old? Here's the thing. He knows everything. Because he's standing there right for you. He's going, Jesus, I dare you use me. I dare you use me to bless somebody, to, 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 to speak life to somebody today. If you know there's an area that you've got a log in your life that's in the way of you seeing people the way Jesus wants you to see them, I'm going to ask you as we close with this worship song, because it's a worship song. It really is. You would enter into worship. I'll come back. I'll come back after the song. Please go say hi to Caitlin. Give her twenty-five bucks, her Starbucks card, because she loves me. But I'm going to ask you: Please don't leave without at least allowing Jesus, Jackie, and Tommy. I think, I think I have a log in this particular area in my life. I'd like Jesus to wash it away. 
Because here's the thing. He doesn't wash it from the outside. He washes it from the inside. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to refresh you at the deepest of levels. So would you stand with me this morning? Worship team, would you listen to that? If you need prayer for an area where God needs to take a log out of your life, out of your eye in some particular area, let these people agree with you in prayer, would you please? Thank you so much, worship team.
this is not too uncomfortable for you, I'm going to ask you to take your communion, grab your wife or your husband or a friend or whoever you're with. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to step across the aisle and go find two or three other people. And then just together go, hey, can we join you? And then together just look at one another and enjoy communion together. Because here's the thing. Why would we do this? Why would we take these logs out of our lives? Because actually he, he literally gave his life, literally gave his life that we'd be cleansed and cleaned so we could be log free. And my heart in this season, and maybe this is wrong of me, but I want this church building crossroads this place to be a safe place for Republicans, safe place for Democrats, safe place for independents or whatever hybrid title you have for yourself or whatever people would have, then anybody's welcome in this house. And so do me a favor, grab your communion, grab your wife or your husband or a friend and just step across the aisle. That means you're gonna have to move. Go find somebody else. I'm gonna pray over the elements just quickly. And then I'm just gonna have you to go have communion with the people you're standing with. Lord, we just come right now, Dad, and we just ask you, Father God, to, to bless our pausing and responding and enjoying communion together as family. Bless our time, Lord, as we recognize your brokenness and your shed blood today, Father God, as we be family in your precious, precious name. Amen. Go find somebody. Join them. I'm going to join. Bless you.
just quickly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there, I had to, we forgot this, my apologies. There's a carnival volunteer meeting on the completion of service. If you'd like to sit down with Caitlin and our team and help us on those two nights, please see Caitlin and the family and team afterwards. Thank you so much for bringing candy. Thanks so much for helping us. And thanks so much for being with us this morning, guys. Bless you. Thank you. God bless.